0: Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. It's on Bible number 854, page 854. worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you are visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us this morning. We hope that you'll be able to come back and be with us time and time again. If you're traveling through this weekend or with family this weekend, we hope that your stay in the Mount Juliet area has been good. Isn't it wonderful that God blesses us with the opportunity uh, to have family and to be a part of family, and let's make sure that we all deal wisely with that responsibility. A little girl, she was almost four, and she was in her house, and her parents were in the backyard working, and the phone rung, and, and she told them that her parents were not available, and then... The man on the other end of the line could hear her scratching around for paper and a pen, and she came back and she said, but could I take a message? Kind of surprised at the professional manner of the little child. He said, well, certainly. He said, well, will you tell him that Mr. Brown She said, okay. Can you spell brown? And the man very patiently said, B-R-O-L w n there was another long pause, and the little girl said, Can you tell me how to make a bee? <laughs> you know sometime we forget things are those fundamentals, and if we 're not careful, we think that we can just go right on through life, and we can forget those fundamentals, but you know in education, we see it. And we learn how valuable it is. What if we forgot how to make a B? What if we forgot how to read and write? What if we forgot how to add and subtract? We hear in sports all of the time the the coaches plead for players to go back to the fundamentals. You see, in reality, what they're asking them to do is go back to the first things. Keep the first things first. Have those in order and then let's build from there. And you know, as we close out this year, and as we look to, if the Lord willing, the beginning of another year, let's be reminded of some basic, some of those fundamental things where the Lord says, I want you to keep first things first. We've just read... It there and we'll go back to that text. a man said, follow me, and this man was somewhat excited about the idea to follow the Lord. And so instead of saying, I don't want to follow a man that doesn't have a place to lay his head at night, he said, first, let me go home and bury my father, and then I'll follow you. And the Lord said, let the dead bury the dead, follow me. That sounds cold to you and I. But then he turns to another that said he would follow, if he would allow him, now notice the word again, if he would allow him first to go and bid farewell to his family at home. And the Lord said, a man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now you and I must keep in mind that the Lord knew not only the words of these men, but He knew their hearts. And by His actions, we also know their hearts. And we see the importance of the word first. These individuals were not saying, first Lord, we'll follow you. These individuals were saying, we want to follow you if we can place other things first. Friends, Jesus must be first in our life. And as Jesus is first in our life, that places some other things in order. For example, we see the word first again used in Matthew the 5th chapter. And in Matthew the 5th chapter, beginning in verse 23, we see that an altar, a gift is brought to the altar, but yet the individual remembers that there is something that is an alt against their brother. And we read in verse 24, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You see, order was important to the Lord. The Lord says, if you want to follow me, place me first in your life. The Lord says, if you want to worship me, if you want to leave gifts at my altar, first make sure your life is right with other people. As we close out a year, I can't think of a way to end the year any better than to say or to evaluate in our lives, Is my relationship right with God, and is my relationship right with other people? If my relationship is not right with other people, my relationship cannot be right with God. We can't live the other person's life, but we can seek forgiveness. We can seek to make wrongs right. And it's interesting that both passages the word first was used. The Lord says, I want to be first in your life. And the Lord says, I want you to seek first to make wrongs right. And again, I emphasize, we can't live the other person's life, so we can't always have peace on this earth. But we can always be the one seeking to provide peace to a situation. We can't sacrifice God. He's first and foremost. Therefore, we can't sacrifice righteousness. Now, one other example before we go to our text. And by the way, if you notice there in Matthew 5, we're in the same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which is the text for today in Matthew 6. But let's go to Matthew 7. Let us see the word first one more time. When we look at Matthew, the seventh chapter, the first six verses are probably some of the most misunderstood and misreferenced passages in the Scriptures. This is the passage that people say, see, the Lord said, do not judge. And instead, the Lord is saying, judge in this passage. But he's saying you need to get first things first before you judge. Now let's pause for just a moment. Why would we want to judge? We'd want to judge another individual in order to encourage them to turn away from sin and to God. That's the righteous motive of judgment. Friends, please don't come and and tell me the wrongs in my life if you don't care about my soul. You see, that's the right motive for coming to an individual. I love you, I'm concerned about your soul, and I want to help you get back on the right track. That's a pure motive for judgment. But even before an individual does that, notice he says in verse 5, Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so he says, first things first. What's the first thing? Let's go back to where we started this morning. Is your relationship right with God? Is God first and foremost in your life? If not, you need to get your relationship right. Remove the plank that's out of your own eye so you can go and help remove the speck of sawdust that's in your brother's eye. You see, all throughout the Scriptures, order was important to the Lord. He wanted to know, in what place am I in your life? He wanted to know, how important are other people to you in your life? With those things in mind, let's drop back now to the sixth chapter. And let's pull out three main points as this chapter naturally divides itself. We've had read for us the last part of the chapter. But there's two other sections of this chapter. Notice, if you will, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 of Matthew 6, and there is parallel reading in the next two paragraphs. Let's read together. Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not... will reward will Himself reward you openly. Sounding the trumpet, everybody's attention, I'm about to give a big gift to, to some people that are poor. And the Lord says, no. I want you to seek the proper motive. Lord, what's the proper motive? Implied here is this. Do things to please me, not to please others. You see, the gift wasn't to be given, to be seen by others. The gift was to serve others because of a relationship with God. God wants us to seek to please Him first and foremost. We can do that in secret and the God that sees in secret can reward that openly. The very next paragraph teaches the same parallel teaching on prayer. Stand out on, not just on the street, but stand out on the street corner with long memorized prayers of vain repetition And the Lord says, no, go into a closet somewhere and pray in secret. And the Lord that sees in secret can reward openly. What is the Lord wanting? The Lord is wanting us in our giving, in our prayer life. And the next paragraph is about fasting. The Lord wants us to give up good things to obtain even better things. Why? Because He is seeking a close relationship with us. Can you say this morning that to please God is the first way you approach every day. To please God is the first way you approach every decision that you make. Can you say that your life reflects an individual that is pleasing God? You remember in John the fourth chapter when Jesus was passing through Samaria... Most Jewish men would have never done that. And Jesus visits with that woman at the well, not for a social call, but He loved the soul of that woman. And He shared the good news of salvation with that woman. And as the others had gone into town to bring physical food for them to eat and brought it back, they offered the food to Jesus and Jesus denies the food at that time, and they couldn't figure out who had fed Jesus' lunch. And Jesus says, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. To Jesus, doing the will of God, pleasing God, was first and foremost. In the Sermon on the Mount, in this sixth chapter... Jesus takes the topic of helping others and He says, do it to please God. He takes the topic of prayer and He's saying, do it to please God. And He takes the topic of fasting and He says, do it to please God. And you know what's going to happen as we do things to please God? It's going to change our focus. Let's look at the second part of this chapter. We're in Matthew, the sixth chapter. And let's go to the second part. It would break down verses 19 through 24. And in 19, he would tell us that as we do things to please God, as we change our motive, it's also going to change our focus. Some of you may be a little bit like me. I'm aging, and I know it because now I try to read things at a distance that I used to could read very clearly, and I can't read them very clearly anymore. Well, you know, as, as we grow more mature spiritually we're going to see at a distance like we've never seen before. As we grow and mature spiritually, we're going to be able to see things clearly into eternity that we have never been able to see before. We're actually going to make decisions that when we were younger and weaker, we would have made the wrong decision because we would have looked short term. And now as we grow and develop spiritually, we start looking long term and into eternity. And we start making decisions that reflect that view. And so therefore, when we read verses like 19 through 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. the Lord says, focus, not on this earth, but eternally what's something that you've placed a great amount of time upon lately and by the way i'm not suggesting that simply because you place a lot of time on it it has to be sin out of balance it would be sin but just for illustration think with me for just a moment what is it that you spend a lot of time upon a material thing maybe for you ladies, it might be some kind of window treatment, that you just wanted that window and that room perfect. And maybe you visited five different fabric stores and maybe you sat down and and talked with with a seamstress that was going to create this beautiful piece of art around your window. And maybe you spent many dollars and a lot of hours and, and finally it's finished and you look back and say, oh, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Or maybe it's your car. Maybe you make sure that it's clean inside and out, even if it takes hours a week. And maybe if it takes a lot of hours every week just to pay for that car. To you, it's worth the investment of many hours of labor every week just to pay for it and many hours of labor just to keep it clean. And you step back occasionally and you say, yeah, I wanted that for so long. I love that car. Maybe it's a house. What if? We really stopped and wrote down all of the hours that we invest on earthly things, all of the money that we invest in earthly things, all of the heartstrings that are attached to these earthly string to earthly things. And then, what if we, on this other side, said, "Now here's where I really invest in spiritual things: my time." Here's where I give my energy to spiritual things. Here's where I give my money to the Lord's church. And here, would it be just a huge lopsided scale? Friends, we live in a physical world and and we're going to have to involve ourselves in this physical life. And so the idea isn't that it's wrong to have curtains or that it's wrong to drive a vehicle. But the Lord is showing us that these things will mean less to us all the time as we grow spiritually, because eternal things will become more valuable to us. It doesn't mean that we'll start walking everywhere we go, or that we'll never have anything on our windows. But it does mean that our focus changes. I visited with someone just a few weeks ago. And it was so interesting... As this individual said that some changes were made in his life after a house fire. He said it changed his perspective about a lot of things. Here today, gone tomorrow. The Lord says rust, moths, thieves. Here today... Gone tomorrow. What about those things that will last to an eternity? Our soul. The souls of our family members. The souls of our neighbors. The souls of our co workers. Those are far more valuable than anything. Let's lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, the Lord says. As we look at this focus, he also says in 22 and 23, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye here is the idea of a metaphor of something that's single and something that enlightens the rest of the body. And when we think about so much of what we see about us, of course, we see it with our eyes, so much that we recognize. Like right now, if we said, it's so-and-so here this morning, you would immediately look with your eye to see if they're here. We have a powerful sense through the sense of sight. But yet here, He gives us some insight to our focus He says you can't be focused in both directions. You can't have an eye that's standing in the world and an eye that's standing in Jesus Christ. He says either you're allowing your eye to have darkness or you're allowing your eye to have sight. Please believe Jesus at this point. Our human nature wants to convince us that we can live in two worlds at one time. And as Jesus here in the previous verses have spoken about that focus of putting our focus on eternal things, now He's saying to us, it will be either one way or the other. Again, I'm going to emphasize it. Our human nature will say, oh, I can do it. I can can live a little bit in the world, and I can live in Jesus. And Jesus is writing and saying, I won't accept it. You can't do it. And that's where we have the powerful teaching out of verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, our focus will either be materially or our focus will be eternally. But our focus can't be both. The material things can be a great servant to those that are serving God, but the material things make a terrible God. A God that disappoints us. A God that is short-lived. A God that can offer nothing of true substance. That is the God of materialism. The Lord says in Matthew 6, Please God, focus on eternity. And then the portion of the text that was read this morning, He finally makes the plea here. God says, trust me. Can you do it? Are you doing it? Can you say, I trust God with all of my being. I trust God with my job. I trust God with my family. I trust God with my heart. I give it all over to God. It's interesting that he brings up here some examples of where people struggle and trust. And he says, for example, people will be concerned about where the food would come from. How many times have we heard individuals say, I have to feed my family. Now, do you mean that you have to, or do you mean that God will help you feed your family? You see, a Christian realizes that it is their responsibility to care for their family, but God has promised a Christian that opportunity in that way. So an individual that stays in some particular activity that is sinful, but then uses the crutch that says, I'm only doing it to feed my family. is not placing their trust in God. And then he also uses the example of clothing. Now... Look at verse 25 again, and I would like for you to notice the very last sentence of 25, which is a question. I think this is a very important question for us to understand, to understand the rest of this chapter. The previous part is about people worrying about their life and about their body. And he says, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? What is he getting at? Isn't life more than food? And the body more than clothing? People are worried about clothing. People are worried about food. And the Lord says, wait a minute. Which one's harder? To come up with some food or to come up with life itself? Which one's harder? To come up with some clothing or to come up with a physical body? What's Jesus saying? You're worrying about the little stuff. You're afraid to put your trust in me, and I'm the one that's already done what you can't do for yourself. You can't give somebody a life. God says, I can give you life, and I can also put clothes on that body. I can put food in that body. To illustrate this, He uses several different things. He says, what about the birds, the sparrows? He skips down to 28 and He says, What about the lilies? Don't the birds have food? And don't the lilies have a beautiful clothing about them? He goes on in 30 and says, Think of the grass. How I brought it in season and I'll take it out of season. See, the Lord is saying, Look what I've done. I've created life. I've given it life. I've sustained it with food. I've clothed it. And all you're doing is worrying about the food and the clothing. And then he uses an example that really is powerful for for our society today. Look at verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? In other words, Jesus is saying, you're worried about putting clothes on your back, and you can't even change your stature one inch. And he says, look what I've done with you. Do you realize how much the procedure would sell for if today parents had the ability to buy an extra six inches or a foot of height onto their teenagers? you think what parents today are paying for their children to be athletic? The personal coaches, the high-dollar equipment, a doctor says to the parents of a 16 year old playing high school ball for an $80,000 treatment we can have your son that's 5'10, 6'10 in two months how many parents of athletes would say 6'10? might be a great left hander I know one of those Oh, he'd be great for. Why would it be so valuable? Why would some parents in America pay a hundred grand for that? We know the answer because we can't do it ourselves. And no doctor can do it for us. Nobody with all of the advancements of technology and medicine can change the statue of us. We can't add a foot. But the Lord can take us at 20 inches long, and he's the one that gave us those first 20 inches. And he can make us six foot tall and six and a half and seven foot tall. Who gave us all those extra inches? Who added the stature? God did. And God says, you can't even give yourself a cubit. I'm the one that did that. And you're afraid to trust me when it comes to food and clothing? Friends, we can let trust come in as if it's a light topic or we can take it to heart. And I challenge you this morning to take it to heart because there's nothing easy about trust. There's nothing easy about saying, Lord, I put my full trust in You and let the chips fall where they may. I am Yours. I am mine no more. I fully trust You. Lord, what do you want me to do now that I fully trust you? And he would say in 33, Seek first, now we're back to that word again, first. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All these things, what? The other things, the food, the clothing, all of the things that we need to survive, and all that we need for an eternity. All those things will be added to us. To whom? To those that want to please God first in their life for those that are willing to allow their focus to be upon God and eternity first in their life, and for all those that's willing to trust God, a God that will not leave us nor forsake us as we close the year, are the first things first in your life. If not, wouldn't that be a wonderful close to 2004? To be able to say, because of the grace of God, 2004, I closed my life placing Jesus Christ first. If you've never been baptized into Christ for remission of your sins, or if you have but yet have strayed from Him and would want to come back, repenting of sins and confessing those sins, and let's pray forgiveness. Let's all leave here this morning with Christ first in our life. If we can help you, come as we stand, as we sing.